All God's people said. If you have your communion packet, I'd ask you to go ahead and pull that out at this time. I want to just share with you a few words just from my heart that would lead us into taking of the Lord's Supper. On on Thursday morning, as I uh, came up to the church and began looking around and uh, just looking at the sanctuary, and I'm sure like you, my heart was overwhelmed and uh, grieved and hurt and frustrated, and uh, just a lot of emotions flooded through as you see those pictures and as you see um, what had happened. I looked down and saw some of the the hymnals that I'm sure you've seen the pictures of all charred up and uh, with just the certain pages showing, and you looked down, and I'm sure you saw that beautiful picture of the Montgomery Advertiser that just said, uh, the hymn from Lead Me to Calvary. These words at the bottom, there's the only thing you could read, just said, lest I forget thy agony, and lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. And so today, we've come to take the Lord's Supper, the central element that is for our remembrance. Lest we forget, we remind one another, we remember what Jesus has done for us to die on the cross and save us of our sins. And so it seems only fitting that we would be here today in this parking deck joined Uh, with our faith family, with other congregations around our city who've come here uh, today, but also joining with congregations all across the world to take communion and remind one another of how good and incredible the grace of our Lord is. Friday morning, I sat in a little office area, and I, I saw some of the most emotional footage I think I've seen in my life. I watched into our sanctuary in the blackness of our sanctuary, where I remember as a 10th grader coming to this church and writing scripture onto the, onto the floor of that sanctuary. I recall being ordained in that church. I recall in that sanctuary the numerous living Christmas trees where the gospel was sung right there on those steps. I remember GMCs in which we've commissioned and celebrated missionaries. Reminded of our prayer meetings that would meet right there in that sanctuary, of of marriages that have taken place in that sanctuary, of celebrations of life, of saints that have gone on to be with the Lord. Reminded of countless upon countless baptisms that we've done right there in that sanctuary. Reminded of those Sunday mornings that we have some of the most powerful people in the city of Montgomery, in the state of Alabama, and in our nation sitting in the pews of our church right alongside some of the, the poorest and the downcast and the homeless of our area. Thought about in that sanctuary, the beacon of light that our church has been right here in the, in the center of downtown Montgomery for 192 years. Thought about the marriages that have been saved as people come to repentance in that sanctuary. People who have gone from death to life by calling out upon the name of the Lord. People whose souls are weary stepping into those doors to seek refuge from our Savior. As I sat and watched on a little computer screen, That sanctuary go from darkness to glittering with flames. As the flames lit up, you see the embodiment of what I'll call the embodiment of evil running from the back of the church out of the sanctuary doors with the flames just billowing right behind them. And I've got to think, if I'm that person in that moment, that there's a feeling of victory. 
There's some semblance of victory to be running away from a place in which you have just torched and a place in which you've seen flames dancing, in which you've seen accelerant poured all throughout the church. You believe in that moment as you're fleeing the scene that you've won. There's a sense in that moment that there's victory to be won, that the church will be destroyed, that the walls are coming down, that the the church in that moment would be rubble. But that's not the whole story, is it not? In the midst of those flames dancing, in the midst of that embodiment of evil running away from the sanctuary, better than flames dancing across our pews, lighting up that sanctuary, right smack dab in the middle of that frame is the pulpit cross shining brightly. The flames dancing all around it, that person pouring gas right up but stopping right short of the cross, In the midst of all those flames all over the sanctuary, all you see right center center frame is the cross of Jesus standing brightly right in the midst of chaos. Friends, can I tell you today that I am more sure than I've ever been that nothing stands in the way of the cross of Jesus Christ. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing prevails against the cross of Jesus And so where the enemy would seek victory, when the enemy would come to steal, kill, and destroy, you cannot overcome the cross of Jesus Christ. The enemy will not overcome the cross of Jesus Christ. And so as we come here today to take communion, as we come here to remind one another that nothing would stand against the gospel going forward, nothing would stand against the cross, allows us to reflect on our own hearts that in our own lives, none of us are perfect. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But thanks be to Jesus who died on that cross to give us the victory. And in moments, we may feel like the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy has come and he has torched your life. That he has made sea billows roll all around you. That the waves are crashing everywhere around you. That it feels like fires are roaring all around you. And you feel like, Lord, how can I prevail? How can I do anything? How can I take the next step in front of me? Friends, see the cross. Nothing overcomes what Jesus has done for you on that cross. On that day that Jesus was crucified, you know the enemy was thinking, we have won. Surely this enemy has been vanquished. Surely this man on the cross, we have won. But you know the end of the story. On that third day, Jesus rose in victory. And so we come here to celebrate the Lord's Supper because we are victorious people. We're not defeated people. We are victorious because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And so as we take these elements in just a moment, as you hold those elements in your hand, let them be reminders to you of God's grace, of his mercy, of his love, his care and provision for you daily. Read 1 Corinthians. As we prepare our hearts to take these elements, Paul writes, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. When he given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is my new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of 
Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. So let the person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. In just a moment, Sharon is going to come and just sing for a moment of reflection. You know, so often as I hold those elements in my hand, there's a, there's a sense in my heart that, Lord, I am not worthy. I am a broken, sinful man. I have not perfected the Christian faith. I am still walking the best that I know how to try to follow Jesus, but I sin and fall short daily. I am not perfect. And so there are those days that we take communion, and I sit there and hold the elements, and I think, Lord, I am not worthy. I've sinned and fallen short. Lord, I'm not worthy to take these elements. I, I don't deserve to take this little cup and this bread. I don't deserve in any way to take this. In many ways, that's, that's kind of the point, is it not? That we are not worthy, but he is. In our sin, we are not worthy, but he is. And so as you hold those elements, as Sharon comes to sing, take this moment as a moment of reflection. Examine your heart. Maybe in this moment, you just need to stop and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the goodness of who you are in my life. Maybe you just need to kneel here on this concrete and say, Lord, I repent of my sins and I'm ready to trust in you with my life. Maybe you need to stand up and just hold your hand up and say, Lord, I am with you. I am, I'm following you, Lord. I, I'm all in. Take this moment before we take the Lord's Supper elements together to examine your heart and just celebrate the Lord's goodness together. Ask Sharon to come now and sing before we take these elements. Let the Lord reflect in your life.
in your hand if you want to peel back the top layer of your juice cup and hold that little wafer in your hand. This morning we're reminded of what this little wafer of bread represents. That his body was broken for you. His body broken for you. This is one of the distinctives of our Christian faith right here. The Bible says that for the wages of sin is death. And if scripture would have stopped right there, we'd be in a lot of trouble, would we not? If the end of the game was the wages of sin is death, and we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory, if we knew that, if the wages of sin is death, if that's the end of the story, then we have no reason to stand in victory. We have no reason to rejoice, and honestly, we have no reason to even be here today. If the wages of sin were simply death, then we would just comfort one another until the Lord calls us home, but there would be no hope past this life. But thanks be to God. The verse keeps going. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. We're reminded that Jesus came to this earth. He lived a sinless and perfect life. His body was broken for you. This is what separates us from every other religion and every other system of thinking on the face of the planet that every other religion would say that God is up top on the mountain and we've got to work our way up to God. We've got to find our way to do good deeds, good works, reincarnate, or somehow find our way up the mountain to get to God, to find God, so that maybe somehow, some way, God would love us and welcome us in. Every other system has us working our way up the mountain to get to God. We serve a God who came down to us. In the midst of our sin, in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our shortcoming, we serve a God who came from heaven to earth to make a way for us to go to earth to heaven. His body was broken for you. He took all of your sins on his shoulders, not just some, not just partially. He took all of your sins and the sins of the whole world upon his shoulders on the cross. His body was beaten for you. His body was broken for you. As you hold that little wafer, as you're reminded, do this in remembrance of me, how quickly we forget, how quickly we forget the Lord's goodness, his mercy, his grace over us constantly. And so we come together today, lest we have forgotten thy Savior's agony, lead me to Calvary. 
And so today we are being led to Calvary by these reminders of God's goodness and his grace and his mercy that God's blood and his body was spilled and shed for you. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And they took the bread. If you'll peel back that next layer, I want you to look deeply at this little cup, this little thimble of juice. It's just a small thimble of juice, but the significance in what we hold in our hand is eternally weighty. At our church, we believe that no person is beyond the savable power of Jesus. So for a moment, I just want to speak to the person who's done this. If by God's grace you're watching this, as a church, we believe on God's good word that there is not a person who God's grace cannot cover. There, there's not yet found an end to God's grace and his mercy and his love. While there are earthly consequences, friends, there, there's an eternally weighty question. And if I believe with all of my heart that no person is beyond the grace of Jesus Christ, that would include you who did this. That God desires for you to come to repentance of your sins and God desires to save you from your sins and be with him forever. As we come to October, we'll memorize as a church, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The most important part of that verse is in Christ Jesus. And so as the pastor of this church, if by God's grace you're watching, know that my deepest desire for you is to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. For you to maybe one day stand in this congregation and take the Lord's Supper with us as a redeemed individual who is desperately in need of God's grace, just as we all are. What has brought us here together in this room is the fact that we need Jesus. All of us desperately need Jesus. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. All of us have made mistakes. And so we're coming here today to remind one another that we are not perfect. Somebody give me an amen. amen. We're not perfect. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's standard. But for the blood of Jesus being shed on our behalf, we would have no hope. And so this morning, if you're sitting here and maybe you've come from another church or maybe you've just come to observe what we're all about, maybe you would look and say, I don't know that there could be a God who would love me. Maybe I've done things worse than setting fires. Maybe I've done terrible things. Maybe I have skeletons that are all in my closet. Maybe my sin is so great, surely there would not be a God in heaven who loves me, who cares anything about me or hears me. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're a believer and you would say, I've just turned my back on the Lord. I just don't know that God could love me. I think that he is done with me. I want you to look down in your hand and see the very answer to that question that in your hand you hold the answer to does God love and care about you. In your hands you hold 
the answer to the question, does God hear, does he know, does he care, does he love? God didn't just shout down from heaven, hey, I love you, I'll figure it out. No, he came down to us, lived a sinless, perfect life, died in your place and my place so that we can have eternal and secure life in him. And so the answer to your question is right here. And friends, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's quite simple. We all admit that we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have to admit that we need a Savior. And then we, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he saved us of all of our sins. We believe that he is our Savior. We believe that he is our Lord. And we call upon his name for our salvation. And the good news is when we, all who call upon the name of the Lord, it's not might be saved. It's not it's possible you could be saved. It's not one day you'll, you'll die and find out if you got there or not. No, it's all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So friends, as you take this, this is a communal Lord's Supper that you take together. As you took the bread, as you take this cup, look around and be reminded that we are a group of people who have sinned and fallen short. But we are celebrating, we are victorious because of what Jesus has done for us. And Paul writes, oh death, where is your sin? Oh sin, where is your victory? Paul can say with a triumphant cry, thanks be to God who has won our victory. And so we take this as a reminder of what Jesus has done, standing as people who are victorious over death and over sin. In the same way as he took the bread, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim, you celebrate the Lord's death until he comes again. And they took the cup. My dear brothers and sisters, we're going to take a moment and we're going to take a moment of invitation. I know it's going to be hard to make your way to the front. If you need to make a decision to follow Jesus, know that I'll be right here following the service. And as we sing this familiar invitation hymn, let this be an opportunity for you to invite and ask the Lord, what's next, Lord? This past week, I... I changed the background of my phone, unknowing that all this would happen to just be these words, take the next step. And so I'd ask you in your life, what is the next step in your life? What is the next step of obedience that the Lord is calling you to? Maybe today the next step of obedience in your life is to say, Lord, I am ready to follow you and trust in you with my life. Don't leave this parking deck before you've made that decision sure. I'll be here. If you were to find your way and walk down this aisle during uh, this closing uh, invitation hymn, there will be somebody to greet you and pray with you. Maybe today, do you know that we don't have to be in the sanctuary to join this church? Maybe today you're ready to be a part of a faith family that's committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ and you want to join this wonderful family of faith. You can do that today. And I would love to welcome you into our church on this historic day. Maybe today you just have all sorts of emotions flying in your heart. Maybe there are things on your shoulders that you feel like are insurmountable and you just need somebody to pray with you. At the end of the service, if you just want to walk forward right now as we sing, if you want to walk forward, there will be someone here who will greet you and pray with you before we conclude. I used to say, don't leave the doors of 305, 305 South Perry Street unchanged. 
I don't know what the address of this parking deck is, but don't leave this parking deck. <laughs> don't leave this parking deck with unfinished business between you and the Lord. Let me pray for us, and then we'll sing an invitation hymn and then commission one another out in just a moment. Dear Lord, thank you. Lord, you are good. You are good not just when we're on the mountaintops of rejoicing in all the good. Lord, you are good in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the fires, in the midst of all the raging things that seem to be all around us, Lord. You are good. You've been faithful to your people for generations before. You've been faithful today, and you will be faithful far into the future. Lord, we have no doubt. We have no reservations. We stand here knowing that you have given us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. So, Lord, we leave this place ready to go. Ready to go. So as we come to this time of invitation, would you work in our hearts? Would you work in us to be ready to go, to take this gospel message out to the highways, the byways, the neighborhoods, and to the nations? We're grateful for you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Oh, soul, are you weary?